Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, a show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm host Dale Spangler, and this week my guest is Ryan Nitson, off-road test editor for the weekly online publication Cycle News and the owner of The Corner Coach. This episode is brought to you by Moto America. See the fastest racing on two wheels. It's Moto America Superbikes in Texas, September 8th through the 10th, with five classes including Superbikes, Supersport, Stock 1000, and the ever-popular King of the Baggers and Super Hooligan National Championships. It's fun for the entire family, with kids under 12 free and available VIP and camping packages for the ultimate fan experience. It's Moto America Superbikes in Texas, September 8th through the 10th. Reserve your tickets and camping spot today by visiting MotoAmerica.com. Let's get started. Ryan Nitson, welcome to Pit Pass Moto. Thank you for coming on today to share some of your stories. How are you today and what's happening? Yeah, thanks, Dale. Happy to be here. This is my first real podcast that I've done. Uh, I'm in Southern California at the moment trying to stay dry. We've got Hurricane Hillary coming through. Yeah. More just like a little rainstorm, but yeah, it's uh, pretty funny. Should be should make for some good dirt in the next couple of days, so I'm excited for that. Exactly. The high des is probably going to be like every dirt biker that's from the air surrounding area is going to be out there shredding this <laughs> in the next few days, probably. Yeah, I've never been so excited to do some uh, summer motos. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about your current position at Cycle News. Wow, what a fun role you have there. Just you know, looking through your social media and some of the other stories you've written for the magazine, it just sounds like you've done so many cool things since you've landed this job. I mean, you've been on some great new model intros lately and product introductions like Alpine Stars, and then you went to Italy for Gas Gas. And so tell us about some of these uh, exciting experiences you've been able to have with your role at Cycle News. Yeah, that has to be the coolest part of my job. And I definitely pinch myself every time I get an invite to go to one of these events. Yeah, I mean, when you're a kid reading the magazines and you get to see these guys riding all the new bikes, you just you, know, you just think like, how could I do that? And how can I be a part of it? And yeah, I'm so lucky to be able to do this as my job. Just recently, I've been to Italy for the 24 Gas Gas launch. We did Washougal for the Alpine Stars introduction for their new gear line. Last year, I got to go to the Star Racing Goat Farm or what was the Goat Farm to ride the new 23 uh, Yamaha 450. I mean, like, it comes in waves where where we'll have like slow months where I joke that I actually have a real job and have to type and <laughs> and do real work. And then we have some times where it's like, you know, I was at the goat farm for I think three or four days and then I was home for one day and then I flew to the Ironman GNCC to go race the GNCC. And I'm like, how is this my job? It's seriously so cool. I'm so blessed and lucky to to have that. And yeah, it's so fun. 
Yeah, it's funny you say that because I saw where you're in that uh, MXA feature where they do dream jobs. And I'm like, this to me is like literally is a dream job. But not everyone could do it because, I mean, you have to have a certain level of fitness and you have to be able to write. You know, like I always tell people, it's hard to find people that can actually ride and write, you know, and do both relatively well. So how did you get your start in industry? Were you, you know, like many of us, were you one of those up and coming guys chasing your pro motocross dream or was there uh, something else? I wish it was that cool. <laughs> I grew up riding, like my family would go to the desert you know, every holiday and we had a motorhome growing up and I always wanted to race, but my mom and dad were kind of reluctant to let me race just, just from like seeing their friends get hurt and seeing it on TV and stuff like that. So I raced uh, BMX growing up a lot. I live uh, right by the Orange Y, which is in Orange County. It's like a famous uh, BMX track that's no longer here. But yeah, so I grew up riding BMX and just going to the desert. And um, I didn't start racing till I was like 14. And then I really wasn't even that good. Like I didn't know, I didn't know how to train. I didn't know how to race, anything like that. We would just go to REM at Glen Helen on Saturdays and that was it. I didn't have like the best equipment and my parents weren't down to spend all their money for me to go race. I have a, I have a brother too. So they were always pretty fair about, Hey, if, if Ryan's going to go racing this weekend, then, you know, next weekend we're going to do something for your brother or something like that. So they always try to keep it fair. You know, selfishly, I'm like, I can't go racing and I need to go race every weekend, but that's how it goes. But yeah, I did public school and then I went to um, college and I did community college and yeah, I, I remember I needed to declare a major because I was transferring from junior college to university. And my mom was in kind of sales and marketing. And she was like, I think you'd be really good at, at something like this. And this was probably 2016. And Transworld Motocross was still around. And they had a job board that you could look up jobs in the industry, kind of like what motocross industry jobs is now. Yeah. And I remember I just typed in like motocross and marketing. And the first job that came up was this marketing agency that happened to be in my hometown. And it was like the second job listing. It was a social media coordinator role. So I emailed the guy and I got an interview the next day and then I killed the interview. And then the next day I was hired. So it literally happened with all <laughs> like three days. I had a major for my college and then I had a job. And so I was in college doing social media for a bunch of different manufacturer or uh, aftermarket companies. And that's kind of how I got my start in the industry. Um, Terry Beal used to be a longtime Yamaha guy. Oh, yeah. Yep. His agency that I worked for for like seven years, I think I worked through all through college. And yeah, he really helped me a lot get in the industry and just meeting people and things like that. And I was doing some test stuff for Jimmy Lewis at Dirt Bike Test. And that kind of just happened. It was through a friend. They needed somebody to do a 450 test. And like, I've always liked to write, even all through school. I was a really good writer. I just was like, man, I, I can write about how the bike works and how it feels and what I'm feeling. Um, and then I got to do some stuff with Jimmy, which was really fun. And then I met Kit Palmer at, a, at an intro. And he asked me if I wanted to do some stuff for Cycle News. And I, at the time, I was just doing uh, stuff for Jimmy for free. And the guys at Cycle News offered me to pay. So I asked Jimmy, I said, hey, these guys are offering to pay me. Can I go do this? And he was like, yeah, of course. So yeah, <laughs> I think my first job for cycling was a 450 shootout. It was a 2019 models. And I had really no idea what I was getting myself into. I just, I always have just said yes. Like if, if you see an opportunity, just say yes and figure out how to do it afterwards, I think. And uh, yeah, it was like a 10,000 word story. We had to go ride all the bikes. I had to kind of put it all together and it was uh, a lot of work, but that's kind of the start of it. I freelanced for those guys for a few years and then got my full-time position um, about two years ago. 
it seems like to me, like what blows me away about this whole thing is I feel like you kind of figured out early on that you're like, well, maybe I'm, you know, racing isn't going to be my future. And so at a younger age, a lot of guys don't figure that out very quickly. They hang on a little too long. Like I did that myself. I was in my twenties before I'm like, oh, I guess I better work on a career here. I feel like that was definitely some uh, heads up thinking on your part just to kind of be like, you know what, maybe it's time for me to kind of look at going to school and starting this career. Was it 2014? Is that kind of right around the time when you really kind of like started that push, I guess? Yeah, it definitely was a reluctant change. Don't get me wrong. I, I, the only thing I ever wanted to do as a kid was go racing. And like I said, I started late. And then probably when I was like 17 or 18, I started like figuring out how to train a little bit and I was doing better racing. But then I, I still was just had like beater equipment that I thought, you know, I thought my CR250 was so sweet. You know, looking back now, starting later and not racing every weekend, I think has really extended my passion for it. I see a lot of kids I grew up riding with and racing with, they're so burned out now. And I love it. I'm still such a geek for this stuff. Like every chance I get to go ride, I'm super excited or I get a, you know, new gear at the door and I'm like freaking out like it's Christmas. And, you know, looking back at when I was 16, I was so kind of angry that I couldn't go ride on the weekends or race. But looking now, I'm like, wow, I'm really grateful that I didn't get burned out on it. So like your first role there at Push then with Terry, it kind of seems like that's where you really piqued your interest about marketing, right? Because you went on to get a marketing degree. But like, is that where that kind of spark, I guess, was ignited for marketing? Yeah, totally. Like I said, if I wasn't racing, then I knew I wanted to work in the industry. And I think that's something that most of the industry guys can relate to. But I didn't really know what the jobs available were, if that makes sense. I thought if you worked for a magazine, that meant you were going to go to the races every weekend and you were just interviewing riders. And I didn't really want that. I didn't want to be traveling every weekend if I if I wasn't racing. But yeah, so my mom kind of really got me started in that. She did sales and marketing and she just kind of showed me like, hey, these are some things you can do. And this is kind of how it works in the real world application. And then, yeah, working with Terry, we did a lot of social media marketing for aftermarket companies. And so I was doing social media, like managing. I think at one time I had like 15 different accounts. We were doing email marketing, so like email newsletters and getting product to magazines. So kind of like what my role is now, but giving product to, you know, MXA and dirt bike and guys like that. So they could do tests on our product. And yeah, definitely. That's how I got my start in marketing. And I was still in community college when I got that job. So then when I transferred to university, kind of seeing more real world applications with that. um, Yeah, that's basically how it got started. Yeah, it's always interesting, like people's paths, you know, how they end up where they're at. And it seems to me, just hearing you talk about that, you know, like you did a lot of media relations working for Push, which in the end, like you end up landing on the flip side of that, which I would imagine a lot of those relationships you built are kind of what helped you network and land with, you know, Jamie Lewis at Dirt Bike Test and then eventually later Cycle News. Yeah. And like our industry is pretty small and everybody who's in it has been in it for a while. And Everyone knows everyone and it is just networking and meeting the right people and, and always having like a good attitude and, and definitely not burning bridges. I mean, everybody knows people in the industry who have burnt bridges or who have done something wrong and, and they're kind of like blacklisted. So it's always good to meet the right people and, and keep a good relationship with, with everybody because now it's like we go to events and it's all the, you know, the six same guys that we all go and they're almost like your coworkers that you travel around with, even though we don't work together. But yeah, it's, it's, a cool, it's a cool space. It is funny how the industry is pretty small that way, where it's like, there's people out there, I feel like, man, if you piss somebody off the wrong person, they'll remember it for a long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
So I want to ask you a couple of marketing questions. I just, I'm always curious. I'm a marketing guy myself. So I'm just want to ask you just a basic question though. So what do you think is more important, like having a great product or having great marketing? I think having a great product is the better answer at the end of the day, because good marketing, you can market a product, but once it gets into the real consumer's hands, I think then that word spreads faster than even your best marketing. If you have a crappy product and you market it really well and a lot of people buy it, they might buy it once, but they're not going to buy it again. And I think it kind of goes back to the old saying of like, does marketing create a need or does it fulfill a need? And I, that's always been my favorite like marketing style question. I love that. Yeah, I completely agree that without the great product, you know, in the end, like you said, somebody might buy it once or maybe twice, but you got to have both in my mind to have longevity. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't really even know that I you know, really liked the marketing side of things until I got my start with Terry and just seeing, you know, the psychology of buying and, hey, this is why we have this product and this is the what it's fulfilling and yeah, the business end of the industry I thought was really interesting. And I don't know, I've always been the guy that's like paid attention to new stuff that's out. And, you know, even down to like, oh, you can't wear, you know, these boots with this gear because that's not what like the pros do. And I don't know, it all kind of paid off later on just paying attention and being super detail oriented like that. So it's been fun. That's interesting because, yeah, you're right. Because, I mean, the person that's kind of in the know in power sports, I mean, they're not going to go show up with a set of Fox gear and a pair of Thor goggles. You know, I mean, that's just kind of like. Yeah, you, you know how it is. It's just like those little details that are kind of like unspoken rules in the industry. And it's funny. We did a couple of commercial shoots with a Supercross team that we worked for. And, you know, the guy rolls up with, you know, low goggles and his visor pointing down. You're like, just little things that you yes. pick up on, you know, through when you're just, or an industry, industry guy and stuff like that. So it's pretty funny. I can even tell from looking at photos of you when you're riding, like it's not about speed. And I think a lot of people that do photo <laughs> shoots for the first time, they think they got to be going race pace. And I'm like, just go <laughs> slow. It's all about looking cool in the photo and the snap, you know? That's it. <laughs> and so I noticed your arms are up and you got good style. And I can just tell you're thinking about how it's going to look in the photo. Oh yeah. If a lot of people I think knew how we get photos done, they would laugh because yeah, a lot of times it's not exactly what it looks like. And I mean, it took me even a long time to even want to post videos of me riding because I'd be like, oh, I'm going so slow. And <laughs> I would just post photos because you could never tell us the speed from a photo. And that's like so true with the magazine stuff. We'll do a big berm shot or sometimes it'll be right before you fell. But you know, no one knows. Can't give away all the secrets. But yeah. That's how it is. That's just how it's always been. And it looks good for photos for sure. Well, another marketing question for you. I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about what works now for brands, because I feel like it's become so much harder for brands to kind of set themselves apart to get even attention on content. They'll spend lots of money on a piece of content. And it doesn't get the views maybe they want. It's really confusing in a lot of ways, I think, for a lot of people out there as to what actually works um, is there something that kind of stands out to you? I know you've done a lot of social media and media relations, so I'm just kind of curious what your take is on that. Mm, that's a really great question. I think my biggest thing is just consistency, like always being in front of the customer and, and putting your content out there. But I mean, I'm a sucker for these 90s ads and these throwback kits that people are wearing. And we had an ad last week in Cycling News from Yoshimura that was Hunter Lawrence's quote from when he said like, this isn't pressure, you know, pressures when my family couldn't eat. And I was just like, that ad in the 90s would have rivaled like a Fox ad, I thought. Totally. You know, those ads and things like that aren't as popular or as eye grabbing as maybe they used to be. I mean, I would remember my dad showing me photos like the Doug Henry Fox ad or the J Rick Johnson Fox ad. And those are just like iconic ads. 
they're kind of transitioning a little bit away from something like that, but they're more like videos. I feel like now you'll see like the Ken Roxon video of him on the, on the Honda two stroke, or you'll see stuff from Red Bull that is kind of like can stand the test of time five, six, eight years later. But I think consistency is the biggest part, whether it's the ads in the magazine, whether it's print or digital, like we do on cycle news, or then you see like killer social media posts. And, you know, I think now it's kind of becoming cool again to be like a smaller business to where when you see Fox or somebody commenting back on Instagram or, you know, replying to someone on TikTok, I think that kind of gives the brand a personal feel. And I think a lot of people are capitalizing on that right now. It's a totally different landscape. And I think that's what's cool about marketing is, is it is always changing and you're always trying to find the best way to reach your customers and Yeah, it makes it new and exciting every time. I love your statement, though, like your observation about the print ads kind of going away from that more emotional sort of timeless appeal, I guess, if we want to call it that, because I'm a huge fan of those, too. To me, that's what really gives me the buy in for a brand, because I'm like, wow, this I really love what this brand stands for. But I kind of start to wonder if that sort of trend is all because there's so much pressure on these companies anymore to where if they put out an advertisement and it doesn't give them any tangible results in return, they're going, it's not worth spending money on. And so I think they look at these pieces as too flowery, too emotional. Like, is it going to give a sale, direct sales? And I feel like there's a lot of pressure on these companies these days to perform and make sales to where it's influencing marketing for sure. Yeah, I think it is kind of changing a little too, like we were talking about. It used to be like only a print ad. And now you see, you know, we have banners on this on the website or a pop up in a video or things like that, where that kind of to me goes back to the consistency of it, where, you know, if it's KTM or Gas Gas and they have their logo kind of everywhere or Honda or whoever it is. That to me is that consistency. And I always think the coolest ads are a brand that doesn't say, hey, Dale, like you need to buy this right now. It's more like, hey, we're here, we're here, we're here. You've seen us everywhere. And now it's almost like subconscious when you go to look for something, you're like, oh, I've seen that ad. I've seen that logo somewhere. Um, I think that's kind of like the best way to do it, in my opinion. We'll get back to the conversation in one moment. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply your off-road test editor now at Cycle News full-time. With this job, I mean, you get to put all of those skills like you talked about, your marketing interests, your social media, your writing skills all together in one job. Like, what's your favorite aspect of your job with Cycle News? Definitely my favorite part is going to these intros. It's like summer camp almost. You know, we get to go to a cool location. We get to ride these new bikes. We get to hang out with, like, all of our friends who are the industry guys that to me has been my favorite thing. I mean, I've raced two different GNCCs, arguably the two coolest ones. I got to go to Alden Baker's and, you know, the Star Ranch, like for the goat farm. It's just sometimes I do have to pinch myself like, wow, I can't believe I get to do this as my job. It's the coolest part of my job. Sometimes I don't like traveling, (laughs) like going to the airport and things like that. But when I realize like where we're going, what we get to do, it's like sometimes I just have to sit at home for like a day afterwards and just be like, whoa, that was so cool. 
one of the places I saw where you got to go, which I was able to recently go myself, and I'm trying to get into this, you know, some of these new model releases too. I've been on two now. I went to a Royal Enfield and then a Harley Davidson one, but I noticed you went to Gold Creek Lodge in Northern uh, Idaho. Was just there with the guys from Vana. Absolutely magical experience. Just great people. Um, gosh, I mean that. I mean, you can talk about it even more too, because you got to ride and mountain bike. I think up there, from what I saw. But what a, what a place, huh? Yeah. So funny enough, that was actually before my job at Cyclonews. That was when I was still with Push Marketing and we were helping them with um, all their social media. And so we got to go up there to kind of do a big photo shoot and gather a bunch of images and assets. And man, that place was so cool. Just riding those trails and being up there kind of in the middle of nowhere. And we got to go on the lake and stuff too up there with the boat. Yeah, it was that was a really, really cool place. I've told a couple of manufacturers we should go there for an intro because it's so fun. Yeah, it's definitely a special place. And you know, I hope to see him keep growing that thing. It is just a bucket list place for anybody who rides a dirt bike. That's for sure. Totally. He should give you a free trip for this. This is <laughs> get a little plug for him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, I didn't even ride when I was up there. I, I was, I kind of knew better. It was hot, and we were up there, and I was like, you know, these guys end up going on like twenty-five mile trail rides, and I'm not in good enough shape for that. But it was just to hang out was cool for me. I felt like I just was off the grid for a few days and yeah. stopped checking my email so much and my my phone. And no, Dave's a really good guy, and some of those that riding is the real deal. I mean, I grew up just riding in the deserts of SoCal and getting to go to some of these like GNCCs or to go to Idaho for Gold Creek, like some of that stuff's no joke. That's something that I've realized too, just working for Psychonews is going to these other places and seeing the other markets and the other demographics of riders. It's like yeah. not everyone is the same when we go ride or, you know, the East Coast maybe doesn't have the, you know, desert kind of camping scene like we have here, but they have a whole different scene over there. And it's so cool to see that. And at the end of the day, everyone's just united by riding dirt bikes, which is like you're automatically friends no matter what, you know? Yeah, it's refreshing to go. Like my experience was the Harley Davidson event. I'm not a Harley guy. You know, I've never ridden Harley in my life, but it was refreshing to be around just a different crowd of people and just to see their enthusiasm for motorcycling. So no matter what, it's two wheels, right? Oh, so yeah. you're going to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm curious to know too, like how do you um, hone your writing skills? Yeah, reading. In the last few years, I've really tried to reinstate my reading program and just just reading books about anything will really help you with that. I also try to just draw inspiration from other people in the industry. I read a lot of other people's articles and just kind of see how they write and what styles that you kind of relate to and that you like. One of my really good friends, Michael Gilbert, he was a, a writer at Cycle World and sport writer for a long time. And I've just really like his writing style. And I would always send him stuff like, hey, can you proof this? And you know, where would you change this or that? And yeah, he's somebody I've drawn a lot of inspiration from for my personal writing. And then, you know, when you're writing something, I always try to say it in my head like 50 times and I'm saying it really slow as I'm typing it and kind of thinking about how it's going to sound when it gets onto paper. And I don't know, it's something that's always been kind of easy for me. I mean, even when I'm writing, I'll be thinking about how I want the story to sound and how what I'm feeling on the bike, how that's going to translate into words. You know, it does get hard, like, just thinking about that first 450 shootout, I was so stumped on being like, how many times can I say the word motor? And how many different ways can you say that? And then it's like, you got engine and power plant and anything like that. I definitely, when I'm doing a big story, I also always have thesaurus.com as a as a saving grace on, this, on an extra tab because, yeah, sometimes you do just run out of ways to say something, but you don't want to every time say like the bike, the bike, the bike, you know, you got to figure out new ways to say it and be creative. And it's a lot harder than people think too. It's um, to me, writing is almost like 
I don't want to say a dying art, but it's something that isn't as appreciated as people think. You know, it's so easy now to get on a voice message or a podcast or something like that. And it's cool that we have so many different ways to distribute media nowadays. But yeah, writing something really is um, a, a good way to put your thoughts down. And yeah, it's something that has luckily come natural for me. And I had a teacher when I was in high school tell me, he's like, Ryan, if you don't do something with writing as your job, you are going to be like throwing away a huge skill. And when I landed my job at Cycle News, I sent him one of my big articles and I was like, hey, like, thank you so much because this really inspired me and helped me. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, super cool. Is there anything about being a writer uh, and journalist now that's maybe not so fun? I can't imagine there's too many things. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely aspects to it that are a job. You know, we got to drive to the tracks and, you know, sometimes it's just a long, hot day and you got to get home and finish the video or finish the story because there's a deadline for it. And then tomorrow there's another event and we, you know, this has to get done. That's just how it is. And with Cycle News, we're a weekly magazine. We do like a 200 page online PDF every week. So we do have deadlines and some things have to get in by a certain time. And sometimes you just have no choice and you just got to stay up late and get up early. And that's how it is. But there's not too many things that are that are a pain. You know, we get to do so many different types of riding. I've been doing a lot of adventure bike riding lately. And I got to go on a Harley launch like a year ago. And, you know, some things that I'd be like, oh, man, like, I don't really want to go do this. But then you do it. And it's so fun. And you're so happy that you went. And, you know, I'd rather be doing this than working in a real office and doing data spreadsheets and things like that. So <laughs> when it's bad, it's not that bad. <laughs> well, I noticed, uh, you know, you also recently became a small business owner with your company, Ride Company, where you released a product called the Corner Coach. And I think you even got hooked up with AJ Cantanzaro and, you know, like one of the biggest coaches out there in, in moto. And so, yeah, tell us about that. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, Corner Coach has been just a super fun learning process. That's kind of all I could say about it. I launched it like two years ago, but it even started four or five years before that, just in a notebook at the track. We were just trying to figure out a way. One of my friends had got back into riding and I just noticed that his form, he was sitting so far back and, you know, we were like, what could we do to fix this? And I was like, well, there's this, you know, there's a seat bump, but I mean, I'm not going to put that on for you. You got to do this, this, this. And we kind of just were like chalking up ideas on a tailgate, like, man, it'd be cool if you could have something that slid on and you could take it off or move it around. And it just kind of ended up in a notebook somewhere. And then uh, when COVID started, I got hurt. I was kind of laid up right the same week that it, that COVID started with all the lockdowns. And I was doing some cleaning and I found this notebook and I was like, wow, what a good idea. And like, I have nothing else to do right now because literally the world is shut down and I'm laid up with a broken leg and a broken collarbone. So <laughs> we just kind of like brought this idea to life and how could we make this? And it worked out really good. You know, everyone was still riding during that time. So we made some samples and um, had some some people test it out and then everything worked the way that I had envisioned it to work. And we ended up getting a patent for it. Yeah, it's been just a super fun learning process. But for people who don't know, it's a removable and adjustable seat bump. It can slide on over the seat rather than having to glue the seat bump down and then having to reinstall the seat cover. Ours just slides on, straps down, and it literally goes on in about a minute or less. So yeah, it's been really fun. Some of those best products are like that. Just a simple, easy to use product that does what you need it to do. Yeah, it's really fun to see how how big it's grown. We're coming up on our full second year in business and just seeing who uses it and where, you know, we're shipping all over the world. 
We have pro riders, like you said, like AJ Catanzaro uses it for his classes. Uh, Jagger Craig, uh, he uses it on his bike. Villapoto's kids use them. Like it's been crazy to see how many people use them. We had a kid, um, Cannon Zabinick, he won uh, Loretta's title this year with one on. And I mean, I just thought people were going to use it for just doing, you know, circle drills and figure eights. And then to see somebody winning Loretta's with one on, it's like blows my mind. Such a cool story. Speaking of coaching, though, I noticed where I think you're maybe you're maybe you're not doing this any longer, but you're an assistant coach um, for like a high school mountain bike team. Seems like you're a hardcore mountain biker, man. You've done a, you've done a lot on that 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 Orange County series down there, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> my friends listening to this will laugh at me because they still smoke me every time. But yeah, um, when I graduated high school, right after they started uh, a high school mountain bike league the high school that I went to was a team and, or is a team still. And I got asked by one of the coaches to come be a coach. And it was a really fun experience to ride with some of these kids. And I actually met Trevor Hunter through that and Trevor Hunter, he's a national desert champion and he works for dirt bike test now as well. And, um, yeah, it's been, that was really fun. We do, um, some mountain bike racing, um, here in orange County. That's really fun. And where I live is right by a bunch of uh, local mountain bike trails. So, when I gave up racing, basically, and I knew I wasn't going to go pro or anything like that, I really dove into mountain biking and kind of filled that need for a long time. And yeah, now I, I love road biking, mountain biking. It just kind of flows with that anything on two wheels kind of mentality. I swear, like there's so many guys like you these days that are just good at everything they do. <laughs> oh, I think that's just Instagram. I don't know. I, <laughs> I think one of the biggest things is I always hang out with people who are better than me at doing stuff. And you know, it, it beats your ego down a lot, but I think it always makes you better because you just, whether it's business or, you know, your friends who snowboard or mountain bike or moto, anything like that, if you hang out with people who are better than you, you're just going to get better at that thing. So that's kind of something that I've always tried to do too. Very cool. Well, it seems like to me, like, you know, life is pretty good for you right now. You've got your dream job. You, I think I saw where you bought a house, you got engaged, um, you know, so what, what's next for you and in, in your role at Cycle News as well? What's, what do you got going on here coming up in the future? Yeah, things are super good, which is really nice. Yeah, I'm lucky to to live a blessed life. And me and my fiance, we're getting married in uh, in February, which I'm really excited about. But for Cycle News, it, so right now we're summer of 23. So 24 models are coming out. So uh, my schedule is kind of lined up with some new models, um, stuff that maybe hasn't been changed a ton. And then there's like new Cowie 450s coming out and new Yamaha 250s coming out. So um, hopefully I'll be on those model launches and then testing with those and doing, you know, we do videos for Cycle News YouTube and traveling to races. I don't go to all the nationals, but I've been to a few this year and um, we'll do the new super motocross championship. I'll for sure be at the LA round. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's so fun that we get to, you know, travel to these places and, and watch these races. And like I said, if I, even if I wasn't getting paid, I'd still be like, wow, there's this new race at LA Coliseum. Like, man, let's go. That would be so fun. And kind of just the weekly grind. I joke with my fiance that I have the schedule of a pro racer because, you know, I always got to watch the races or go to the races. And so it's, uh, it's pretty fun. Like you said, it's, uh, you know, you could be doing something else, sitting in a cubicle, looking at spreadsheets, you know, like I always tell people here in Idaho where I live, I could be working for Simplot marketing potatoes. So I can't imagine that. Yeah. (laughs) Our lives are pretty fun. (laughs) No, it's so awesome. And it's really fun to be able to go. And sometimes, you know, sometimes my buddies are doing stuff on the weekends and I don't get to go do it because I got to watch the race or I got to go to a race. But at the end of the day, I mean, the freedom that we get to have and, and just like to fulfill the passion that you have for something is so rewarding and so fun. And, 
yeah, I mean, I get to go to Supercross and sit at the press conference and interview Jet Lawrence when he wins. Like my 10 year old self would just be freaking out. So <laughs> I don't know. I always think that that's kind of why I do it. Awesome. Well, Ryan, really appreciate you coming on today and spending some time with us and uh, sharing some of your story. What a, what a cool story. And anything else uh, you want to share before we close this episode out? Uh, now would be the time. No, just, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. And I think what you're doing is really cool. It's cool to see these different industry insights. And I think there's so many different access points now for kids, whether it's motorcycle industry jobs or, you know, you listen to somebody on your podcast and you can send them a message or say, hey, like, how do I get started with 100% or Phoenix handlebars or whoever it is? And I think that's really cool. And it's fun to kind of see the next generation. Even in my role, we're seeing a lot of new, younger kids kind of joining. And it's fun to kind of ride that wave with the industry and go to all these places with all these people and yeah it's so fun thanks for having me on and thanks for everything you're doing as well awesome well again thank you so much and uh, appreciate everything and all the best thanks Dale if you enjoyed this episode follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode and if you have a moment please rate or review our show We'd greatly appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmotorsports.com where you can listen to the past episodes and check out the new Pit Pass Motorsports blog powered by Podium Life, featuring articles and industry news focused exclusively on two-wheel and four-wheel motorsports. Head to pitpassmotorsports.com to check it out. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 